0: J Wesley Lindley hosting Hocha Town with Shiloh Brock Martin. We speak with Blue
1: McDaniel. Well, my name's Blue McDaniel and I'm one of the founding members of Hocha Distilling along with Mitch McDaniel, Mark McDaniel and Tater Jewel. So we we founded Hocha Distilling and we're setting in our speakeasy right here which we've which we built to uh, accommodate people to try our products when they come in so it also makes for a pretty good spot to hang out in and uh, we've just had some legislation that's changed that's going to help distillers in the state of oklahoma and and that really is what we've been working for for four or five years oklahoma was the 50th state in the union to allow distillers to sell directly to the public their products so we can go into some on the history on that, and then we'll talk about the products and distilling, and we'll answer that question, what is bourbon whiskey, and what do we think bourbon whiskey is, and why is this area known for making good moonshine, and that, that translates into everything you need to make great bourbon whiskey.
2: So bourbon and whiskey, that's synonymous? That's the same word. Well,
1: bourbon is a specific type of whiskey. Mm, okay, right? to be a whiskey, and and there may be some little nuances here and there, but but we'll talk on the general. To be a whiskey, you can. Uh, it's it's a it's a product grain product that's been aged in a barrel, and it has to be distilled under 160 proof. Whiskies you can add flavorings and colorings to. Bourbon is a subtype of whiskey, and when I say a subtype, what I mean the specifics around what does bourbon have to be in order to be bourbon it's a specific type of whiskey it has to be made in the united states first and then uh, second it has to be at least over 50 percent corn in the mash bill when i talk about the mash bill that is the grain bill that makes up what the bourbon is eventually going to taste like and what you look for the in recipe bourbons. if you will do what the recipe the the recipe yeah that's your mash bill that's and but that's just part of the recipe and mash bills aren't really that difficult you really you go out, it's not a big secret you go after what you like and what you're trying to achieve and the uh, but once you get the, uh, the mash bill that's at least fifty percent corn and then you convert that into the starches into sugars and ferment and then distill you distill under hundred and sixty proof and when that comes out. Depending on what proof you get, you know, 140, 45 proof or so, then it has to go into a new American white oak barrel. can't be a used barrel. It has to be a new American white oak barrel. And it has to specifically be a white oak barrel and then char on the inside. It doesn't have to be charred, but we do char to open up the grain. And being in a new white oak barrel, it also has to uh, go in at at least under 125 proof. What that has to do is the ethanol and the proof is to deal with the solvating activity of the ethanol itself on the wood sugars that are actually in the barrel of wood itself, you know. Wow. And, and it's a general consensus among people that, that make bourbon and, and like bourbon and, that probably 70% of your uh, taste and flavor profile has to do with your barrel and the extraction wow. of the sugars. and. That can get very unique when you start talking about size of barrels and regions and climates that your barrels are in, and, and those are all little nuances. Well, we can sit around and talk for hours about bourbon and telling the story, you know, of, of getting to the point to where we are now. But I, I would, if it, if you would allow me, just I'll talk about S, uh, Senate Bill three hundred fifteen that just passed in Oklahoma and really what it allows us to do, and and this is what allows Oklahoma distilleries to finally get on a good. Kill with everybody else in the nation and start you know just like beer in Oklahoma has done and uh, wine has done in Oklahoma so now it's the distillers turn in Oklahoma and and we we went out years ago on a little bit of blind faith that we could get to this point and so we're thankful but uh, what Senate Bill 315 that was just passed by the Oklahoma legislature what it allows and we went four years working on this and that's a whole process in itself but uh, uh, we had a few of our state senators and representatives. Our local representative, Eddie Dempsey, helped us with the bill. We had Representative Kevin McDougal that sponsored the bill on the House side. And then on the Senate side, Senators Coleman and Senator Bergstrom were very instrumental in sponsoring these bills that allowed uh, distillers to now get on an even par, and and basically what the bill does, it allows and amends where distillers can sell their products to the public. Sounds like a common sense uh, bill to me. Is it, it? That's what everyone said. But they said, "How can? we What do we got to do to get this fixed?" And we said, "Well, we'll tell you what to do to get this fixed." And and we went about working on that and processing, and have got it fixed. And that's it has to do with a lot of prohibition stuff that's still on the books in Oklahoma and. Uh, and, and the modernization of our alcohol laws. And for the distillers, this is really just the beginning because what it allows us to do is, we do have a speakeasy back here, and you can come in and come through the bookcase and come to a nice little bar, the one we're at right here, and have a cocktail. You know, we can only serve the products that we make, but with the two products that we make, we make a vodka and we make a bourbon, and we have two types of bourbon. We have a single barrel bourbon and we have a small batch bourbon. And you can try both of those, and, and the and really, this is the one of the few places, if there is any other places in the state of Oklahoma, where you can actually walk in, buy a drink, and then if you like it, buy the product off the shelf and take it home with you. And our vodka as well. We have our vodka excellent. It's made with the same handcraft and precision as as our bourbon. And you know, vodka can be a very you know ubiquitous drink. Vodka is vodka, but it's not vodka. And I, there's a lot of good reasons.
0: I have some friends that are in the reg- the part of the Regrettable Podcast. They sampled the uh, vodka on their podcast so uh they the spear point vodka the spear point yes sir okay. so uh definitely a fan favorite on the regrettable podcast you can find those every friday our,
1: our hardest part about the vodka is just getting somebody to taste it you know people get locked in on their vodka and, yeah, And true. we're bourbon drinkers, bourbon drinkers will slip around and drink other bourbons. Yeah, right. They right. Will, I mean,
2: they're a connoisseur but, but, of the yes, bourbons. Exactly,
1: and, yes. and vodka drinkers tend to not really switch outside of their vodka. But once we get them trying it and drinking it, they'll they'll love it. You know, our vodka, it's 80 proof. We bring it in, we redistill it seven times through our still. There's a lot of debate about how many times it's distilled, seven times or what. But we do run it through the same process as our bourbon. And then uh, we do a, one little extra thing to it is we... Well, then at that point, proof it down to 90 proof, and then we chill it down between 20 and 25 degrees Fahrenheit, and, and then we filter it. So, remember when we talked about the bourbon, how I said the solvating activity? Well, when you chill a, uh, chill a liquid, you reduce the solvating activity of it. And it's just like uh, hot water that you put sugar in, and then when you put ice, make ice tea with it, and it cools down, it gets cloudy. Well, you start cooling down ethanol like that. Some of the residual oils, fats that come through in the distillation, they start coming out of solution, and it allows you to filter those out, and then we charcoal filter it. That's what gets rid of that astringency, that rubbing alcohol taste that you see uh, huh. when you try it. That you taste and in And our vodka is a corn based vodka, it mixes well with others. Okay. Others like orange juice, cranberry, yes. nice. lemonade, uh we've so it, it it's a good vodka big, for
2: that. I'm a big uh I didn't know I was, but here about a year ago I tried my first vodka soda
1: and uh I love it. There you love are. Love vodka soda. Oh, I never yeah. thought I would have loved vodka. Well, the, vodka the soda. biggest thing we have is people come up and say, Man, I had your vodka and I think I had too much of it and I said, Well it can happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and but what happens, I said, Let me guess. You bought a bottle, you took it home and you were pouring it and you were pouring it to taste like you always do with your vodka. Yeah, that's what I was doing. I said, Well, our vodka's smooth and what you wind up doing is, is serving yourself about one and a half times much to get to that vodka taste that you're used to in your drink. Right. So you're drinking one and a half to two times what you think when you're drinking you yeah. know what your regular drink is and you know, and, and it happens. <laughs> you know, we discovered that <laughs> accidentally. <laughs>
2: So, how do you, uh, when you talk about proof, like what is the proof and, and
1: how is it how do you determined? Grade it? Yeah. Well, proof is just a measure, it's, it's double the alcohol concentration volume. So, 100% ethanol solution would be 200 proof. Okay. You can't reach that. But, 190 proof is what a grain neutral spirit is. And, and so, that's going to be what? 95 uh, proof right there. Excuse me, 95% cool. uh, ethanol. Okay. And it's it's really hard to get over about one ninety seven proof or so. You an an point. Mm-hmm. and then uh, you did have I, to use other methods.
0: Did I read at some point like ninety, like you said, ninety something percent? Uh, it starts absorbing the moisture in the air, so it just can, it'll it'll actually bring itself back down. Some the, of the, the alcohol proof.
1: Yeah, I, I don't remember it where I read on that. Some climates about okay, the proof gotcha. can change, and the proof does change in the barrel. Uh, but it really kind of depends on the climate uh, about which proof. The direction doesn't change a lot of proof, but it, it can and the climate. Uh, our bourbon here, and we've got bourbon that's four years old now that we've been aging, and the proofs are not changing a lot. Nice. And that's a good thing.
2: Meaning you wouldn't, there's not a lot of benefit in going past that that well, or mark?
1: N- n- no, that's not saying that. It's just that you you lose angel share, all right? And you know, you're know you going to lose 5% to the barrel right off the bat.
0: That's the 6%. devil's cut, as they well, call that's, it. Well,
1: that's what they call it. That's yeah. what's absorbed into the barrel. Uh, here, we lose about 4.5% a year based on our climate. And we're fortunate. We, we are in a warm climate like Texas, so uh, all of the oxidation reactions that have to take place, to the, part of the mellowing process and driving the whiskey in and out of the barrel and we have a very temperament climate you know yeah yesterday we were driving whiskey into the barrels and today we're extracting whiskey out of the barrels you know with the change in temperatures that we have and that's good because it moves the ethanol back and forth mm-hmm. in the barrel and that's what picks up the wood sugars that's where the color comes from it's white when it goes into the barrel and after it's been aged it will extract those uh, t- t- depending on the the, the char that you get on your barrels. And we use a, a, a standard number three char on our barrels to open up the in, inside of the barrel to allow the whiskey to move through. So, um, and and that's what gives whiskey its brown color. That's one way you can look at young whiskeys, older whiskeys. And you can see from you know just looking at the bottles over there, those whiskeys that you're looking at are right around three years, between three and four years old in the barrel. And you notice that this temperature and weather and climate we have here, uh, makes for makes for aging bourbon very well. It, yeah. it it's it's close to Kentucky, you know bourbon. Nice, the wetness and humidity and temperature. It's a little different, but it's close. Do we cover
0: everything you want to talk about about the?
1: Yeah, just uh, with Senate Bill three hundred and fifteen, you're you can come to Hoctown Distilling. You can try our speakeasy. You can try our products. We are open seven days a week. Uh, until 7 p.m. Uh, and open up at noon, and go till 7 p.m. Excuse me, we open up at 10. We just changed our hours with this new law. Open up at 10 and go till 6 p.m. Weekdays and Friday and Saturday we go till 7 p.m. and and we are open on Sundays. And you can buy a bottle here on Sundays. I think uh, with all the liquor stores not having Sunday sales and Arkansas and all, we may be the only place where you can buy a bottle of vodka for wow. a day on the lake within probably about 150 to 200 miles. A year.
0: That's big news. Interesting so sounds like uh if you're thinking where will i get my next bottle on a sunday and you're listening to this podcast on the boat right now yeah maybe you need to hurry on down
2: maybe maybe you're listening to it on the way and, <laughs> exactly uh, you know you forgot to stock up
0: so, well maybe you listen before you even think think about stocking up and you think you know what we'll just stock up when we get yeah, there
2: absolutely so it, it's kind of uh, crazy to me how far, like you said, Oklahoma's uh, the 50th state to do this. That means we're last, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still does, so still 50 states, yes, sir. Making sure that, that that's still nope. accurate. No Puerto Rico, yeah. <clears throat> so I, we kind of touched on the liquor by the drink law in another podcast. And, uh, you know, we talk about camp, you know, liquor stores aren't open on Sundays and things like that. But then you go to other states. Uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, I flew into Lexington, Kentucky once, well, a few times, but the first time I was just at awe because there was a liquor store in the airport, a <laughs> big one, bourbon everywhere. And then you go to Louisiana, Mississippi, I think Mississippi, I know Louisiana, and you can buy liquor at the counter at a gas station and uh it's mm-hmm. just so crazy it's like sometimes you know you come back to oklahoma and it's a step back in
1: time it's it has a lot to do with the norms of society at the time that the uh state constitutions were put in place mm-hmm. it's true uh, oklahoma was a prohibition state we'd come out of indian territory where alcohol was prohibited it was 1907 and Prohibition had a strong movement in the United States, you know, just well, just roughly 10, 11 years later, we wound up with the 18th Amendment that uh, prohibited all alcohol except for medicinal and really shut the industry down for 13 years. So, uh, but Oklahoma came in as a Prohibition state in 1907. Prohibition was in place when Prohibition hit the United States and prohibition left the united states and stayed in place in oklahoma until 1959 when prohibition was finally lifted in in the state of oklahoma wow so, that, that's 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 probably a, another podcast or something to talk about yes yeah. that's Absolutely. why this area one of the reasons this area down here made such a, a a good place for whiskey because during that time all of the channels were set up for moonshine and exporting moonshine and when and 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 the knowledge base was still diverse it wasn't concentrated in the distilleries and the knowledge base and the production abilities was diverse and so when prohibition hit they just cranked up the moonshine making around here and shipped it all out from southern arkansas and these mountains in oklahoma and hot springs was the hottest place going it was the las vegas of its day right baseball summer camp was there short spring camp was there and 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 that was a very happening place. It's where all the mobsters came down, and 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 it was the yeah. neutral ground. And but it was also the, the kind of the the point where they gathered up a lot of whiskeys to send back to the northern cities in Chicago, Detroit. You know, that were the industrialized cities that were developing in this nation at that time. Oh. So uh, this area has a very rich, as well as southern Arkansas, has a very rich history of moonshining and bringing it about. Uh, and, and there's a reason why the, it was good, and, it, and if we had to say all kinds of things and everything, it's the water that we have, and we get out of Mountain Fork River. That water's excellent for making whiskey. You mentioned you have a degree. Yeah, I have a degree from the University of Arkansas and uh, have a Bachelor of Science degree in chemical engineering from
0: there. I wondered why this Oklahoman was talking so
1: positive about Arkansas. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. <confused>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a Razorback fan, all right? It took me a long time to convert from OU, but in, in, but one day in, a, in about 2000 or so, the uh, OU and Arkansas played, played each other in football in a, in a bowl, and I rooted for Arkansas. So oh. I, I was finally converted. I'd already graduated, but I was what? finally converted. Oh, you're my second favorite team. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, but I'm a suffering Reservoir fan. Yeah. <laughs> but, so uh, does
2: uh, would you say, you know, being, I guess, chemical engineering and kind of understanding those chemical properties, and, and does that help you with, with distilling and, and developing what you guys Yeah, that's a, that
1: has a lot to do with the distilling on it. You know, Mitch uh, is, is a chemist, and that has to do down at the chemistry level you know, of what's going on with Phs and mm-hmm. and all and all the all the different uh, nuances and the conversions and, and Mitch is, Mitch had thirty years in the industry as a chemist, so he brought a tremendous amount of knowledge. You now, as an engineer, it, it just—I think—solving problems and approaching the problems, and and distillation is 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 one of the things that engineers do. You know, our chemical engineers do, whether it's a petroleum product or whether it's a a whiskey. And uh, I had a class my freshman year of of, of college, and we were d- distilling. We had a distillation column going of a of a of a water and xylene compound, and we had to do a distillation profile. And I remember watching it and thinking like that's interesting right there
2: yeah so um, you got a chemist a chemical engineer we've, we've got we're making beer we're making uh, liquor any chance of maybe an- Nice pure meth lab coming into
1: play? Or? <laughs> well, Mitch thinks he's Heisenberg. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're going to stay away from that. We, I love it. Wouldn't we, be a terrible
2: we, market. I'm it, just.
1: We, we realize we're in a target rich environment for that. You're but, making me uh,
0: edit, bro. No, that, but, uh,
1: but that that won't. You know, this and, is You know, there. not only does Mark have the have the uh, brewery. You know, my wife has a winery right here. Uh, the Knotted Rope Winery, and she makes wonderful wines there. You know, in the family here, we have beer, whiskey, and wine, and and that we make, but everybody goes, you know, well, you're going to get in the marijuana industry. <laughs> and, uh, the answer to that is uh, no.
2: Breaking no. news. Yes. No. Right. <laughs>
1: federal laws. The, the first thing that would have to happen to even consider it would be the federal laws would have to come down. Yeah. Because we hold federal licenses. Exactly. We're, we're bourbon makers first anyway. I love it.
0: I think the listeners are in for a treat on this one. Uh, so we'll,
1: I'm intrigued. Yeah, exactly.
0: I'm ready for part two. I'm ready already. So, uh. And this was a bigger taste than I was expecting. So, I appreciate you uh, stopping in on the podcast. Well, thank, thank you, you. very Thanks much so. for having me in. I'm Jay Wesley Lindley, hosting Hocha Town with Shiloh Brock Martin. Peace.